You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is Jack Harrison from NYCFC, and you're listening to The Cooligans. This is going to be great. We're going to have a really good time. Thank you for being here. Uh, you want to get want to get this puppy started? Yeah, let's do it. All right. uh, how exactly do you want to get this started? We didn't talk about this beforehand. Uh, we didn't. Yeah, no. Well, we, we already began. We, we have to introduce our guest. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think there's only one way to introduce our guest. Um, you guys know my, myself. I'm Alexis Guerreros. I'm Christian Polanco. Together, we are the Cooligans. Uh, what we like to do is talk to famous people, people more famous than us, people better at soccer than us. I know you guys are thinking, well, that list is probably short. You're right. <laughs> they were. They were thinking that. Uh, but when we do look for someone who's better at us than soccer and just an overall fun guy to speak to, I think there's no one that we know that we could speak to In the soccer world, when it comes to fun, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just us and him, basically. Former players and fun that's a short list <laughs> that's not a big a lot of them are it's like listening to dry wall paste uh, but this guy complete opposite I don't know if he has too many concussions maybe one from that beautiful header against Mexico uh, he's one of the OG MLS players he also played on your men's national team he's hilarious you might have heard of him first on Kick TV you might know him now from the Jimmy Conrad YouTube channel ladies and gentlemen nice big round of applause for the Jimmy Conrad <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> Look at this. Oh. <laughs> sweet? Was it sweet? It was great. <laughs> right here. Jimmy Conrad. We got you uh, We got you a little USA cup here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? A lot, of, uh, a lot of things have been happening yeah, recently. Guys. Yeah, Come on, give him a round of applause. Round of applause, round of applause, applause Jimmy Conrad. I wasn't fishing for another round of applause. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm not going to say no either. Yeah. Look at that smile. The I'm smile. sure you weren't. Uh, so what's up? Jimmy, some what's up with you, dude? Today, <laughs> yeah, some stuff has gone down. Uh, some stuff that I think you've been calling for, both on YouTube and on Twitter. Yeah, for, for many years. I think I was ahead of the curve. Yeah. You are going to out train. Uh, I was the conductor, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are wearing a, tr- a train conductor hat. Choo-choo, so. <laughs> <laughs> like I have to say. Uh, I'll just keep it nice and simple. But... Um, I just think the guy has been posing uh, as a really good coach for a long time when he wasn't. I think he's a great bullshitter. And uh, <laughs> all right, well, it, it got to all the right, point. zero to one hundred. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I roll. That's how wow, I roll. episode <laughs> over, guys. Thanks for coming. We got what we wanted. <laughs> <laughs> wow, cussed on the podcast. Yeah, no, who cares? You could say say no, whatever uh, the fuck you want. These are some fun <laughs> cunts who came out. <laughs> <laughs> Or funds. funds. Yeah, they're funds. We put it together. <laughs> I, I made eye contact with men when I said it. <laughs> we know, you know, we haven't had. You have warm ballers. I do. We don't have anyone now. Funts. We have funds. <laughs> I'm That's not right. sure. Something. I don't think Christian look, likes it. Look how or, like, but that happened very organically. We were trying yeah. to come up for, like for for almost a year. Like, what are our, what are our fans called? But fun, funds, funds, funds might be it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, make it into a term of endearment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll figure out a way. Yeah. yeah, he's from Brooklyn. I'm originally from Newark. That's a that's a term of endearment. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll try using it like dirt, as dirty talk during sex and see how that works. I get back to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this Jeez. show just went. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look what you started. Uh, but uh, so you think he's been posing as a bad soccer coach? Here's how I feel. Here's my it's like fear. The best Halloween costume of all time. <laughs> 
<laughs> we everyone believed him. I believed him. Here's my fear: is I I want a technical director that says the things he says, that pushes U.S. soccer in the direction he does. I'm afraid that the next guy who comes in is going to be a patsy. Do you get what I'm saying? Well, is I, that not a fear for you? A, a little bit. I would say uh, to do real talk. Uh, yeah. What I did like about Jurgen was that he challenged Sunil. I thought he pushed the boundaries. He made a couple people, including some of our string pullers, to get out of their comfort zone. Right. To see the game in a different way and to embrace different things, different philosophies. Uh, I'm, ha- I'm fine with him broadening the player pool. If you're good enough, you're going to get on the national team. And if you're not, then just stop complaining about who is better than you. You know what right, I mean? I didn't yeah. really like, whatever. If the player pool is bigger, that's fine. And I'll take the best players. And then it's up to the coach to... to Play the guys in the right positions. And right, that takes me off in a whole. Different so now way. I have to figure out how to spell fail Haber to tag him in this. <laughs> but I would say this about the technical, it's be tough. It's the be technical tough. director role, and I think this is just kind of the first step. This is the, the the biggest decision. But our infrastructure has a lot of work to do. Our coaching development needs to be better. Our scouting development needs to be better. We need to figure out a way to get pay to play out because then we'll start to be able to embrace more talent in in areas that are underserved. Yeah, um, and so that's. Um, that's a big challenge for us. Um, and I don't know if the resources that we are getting and are making and the money that we're making is being pumped back into those areas. And, and if it is, it's, it's more of a trickle than like a, a downpour. And even if it was a downpour, do we have the right people in place that know how to manage that money and, and put it in the right places to actually get this proper development? Because we can force the MLS teams to have these youth academies, right? but they still need to have proper coaches in place. So, I mean, the things are happening. I'm very impatient when it comes to this because it's, yeah, it's no. all in front of us. I think we can all see we have this wealth of talent there. You take out the whole, our best athletes play somewhere else. We have more than enough kids that want to play now. Yeah. That are eager to play because the game is in their face all the time. FIFA 17 is a great gateway to being a fan as well. So all these kids play these games. But... Our coaches, I don't know if they're there. And I bless my heart. I love my dad and, and all the volunteers that kind of helped bring me along and help plant the seed of enjoyment of the game. They didn't know how to kick a ball. Yeah. I don't even know if my dad can still explain to you what offsides is. You know? and so you have these. Well, you had a dad, so you're a step ahead. Some of us. <laughs> That's uh, fair. Enough with the bragging about this dad. Really, really rubbing it in with this whole dad. My, my, also, my volunteer my coach. My first 18, coach. Though, so I mean, he wasn't really around. That's not bad. No, look. I can, make it, I can add shoot, Wait, maybe, you, maybe you should be sitting over here if that's the case. My first coach was doing it because it was part of his community service. His <laughs> his parole officer was there for most matches. We're like, who's the guy with the gun? He's like, don't talk to him. Okay? He's, a, he's, a, he's a real problem. Give me the... That's know, amazing. One old, of our Gatorade bottles old, was a little different. I'm just going to say that. Uh, coach Teardrop Tattoo. We <laughs> love yeah, him. Yeah. He was a good coach. <laughs> Let's see. He, was, he knew nothing about soccer, but he made me a sweeper. I'm like, you know I'm the fattest one, right? <laughs> so, so do you think it's... It sounds like what you're saying with the whole sort of U.S. soccer system is... That, I mean, it sounds like just like corruption to some degree. I don't know if it's corruption. I don't definitely don't want to go in that route, but I think there is more of an emphasis, especially at the youth level about making money as yeah. opposed to true development. And there's so much money to be made that it's hard. Like for instance, to give you an example, I was doing soccer camps in my hometown where I thought, all right, if any place I'm going to have name recognition, it's the city I grew up in. And I couldn't get anybody to help support my camp locally for the clubs because those can those, those youth coaches make a lot of their money from their running their own camps. So they're not wow. going to tell their kids to go over there. And I'm like, wait, it shouldn't be about that at all. I'm, I'm not even paying, charging a lot. It's about getting these kids exposed to a different voice, hearing different things. Like, why would they want to go to the camp where it's the, who they see every single day or every, you know, a couple times a week? But they just have no, there's no motivation for them to want to send them to my camp. So I could never get like past 30 kids 
And I'm like, what the hell is wrong? Like, why wouldn't you want to send your kids to me so they can just become better players? Yeah, yeah. And I can teach them something and then we can be speaking the same language. And then like everybody, the cream rises, right? Or the mm-hmm. all boats rise. But that's just not how the world works. Are we ever going to get, are we ever going to get to the point where we don't have pay for play? Uh, I don't know. I, I think our country's vast and I think there's going to have to be, I mean, some benefactors are going to have to come in and who's going to step up and pay that money uh, to make that happen. And I think there's going to, there's some programs out there that do a really good job of trying to get into, I don't know, inner cities, even though I feel like that's a has a negative connotation to it. But just people that don't get exposed to the game in a way that, that they should and be able to see proper technique and proper coaching and, and have somebody inspired. Another thing I'll add, too, is our, our best coaches probably should be teaching our youngest players because we need our our, our youngest kids to have a first touch by the time they're 10. And what's happening now is that when kids are getting to 10 to 12 to 14, they can't even control a ball properly. So you can't even actually get into tactics with them because if yeah, they, all yeah. they do is just like focusing on the ball and their head's down, well, there's no even, you're wasting your time trying to teach them, you know, how to keep possession and all that. It's just, it's so we need our best coaches, but there's no glory. There's no fame. There's no money in teaching our five to 10 year olds. And it's, if we can somehow figure out the inverse of that, isn't isn't it also a big issue that um, don't like uh, U.S. soccer coaches or any just like youth coaches make a lot more money than in other countries? Like, isn't the incentive? It's so much about making money, especially at a younger age, right? Like compared to like even Germany or any other country. I, I think the infrastructures are different. You know, I mean they they've gone through this, let's say maybe 80 years ago. So we're still relatively new to how to get everybody on the same page okay. and working together. Yeah, but is that an excuse though? We see what works and we're not uh, doing it. I right, mean, it's right. like, but, you know, I, but, we but could see someone being successful in front of us and we're like, ah, oh, no, we think this other way that people tried a hundred years ago and didn't work is going to work. It's like, that's what the true. fuck are you talking fair. about? It's a good point. It's like if I went to my doctor and they were like, no, 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 we're going to put a leech on your head. You're going to be fine. I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. You know? That's <laughs> 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 a good point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you soccer is a billion dollar, billion dollar industry and so it's going to be really hard to porn and <laughs> I'm like, hopefully scary hopefully they don't Actually, overlap porn is, more free. <laughs> porn is more free now <laughs> how embarrassing is that it's, it's less pay to play in porn <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to get yeah. better than that. Bam, 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 bam. That's when the music yeah, so traps. There's a, there's a lot of issues, right? And the promotion relegation is something just, just how do we make this sport better and, and more vibrant and more well, inclusive? I'd say the, the Deloitte, Deloitte and Touche report just came out, or is it just Deloitte now? Uh, came out yeah. and I know they were, it was the, the report was uh, sanctioned by the guy who owns Miami FC Silva. So, I mean, you take it for what it's worth, but you know, they talk about, some of the benefits of promotion and relegation. And it's a, such a tough subject, and I don't know if Ted's going to pop out of some door now uh, because <laughs> I said it, but uh, what do you think about, do you think that that's essential at this moment or there's other things that need to be focused on? I think youth development, I would say, is more important. What do you feel? Yeah, it's 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 tough because I think you can have really two separate armies attacking that, obviously being on the same page and talking about how they can work together, but you can have a whole different team kind of working on the promotion relegation. Mm-hmm. And I put out a video on my channel maybe four months ago because there was this claim from somebody, I don't remember who it was, who said, yeah, you know, MLS is going to be the best league in 2020. Yeah, well, shit, I can say that too, but how are we getting there? Like, what's the plan? Right. And, and, and there's some times where... I don't know who that person is in the U.S. soccer universe, MLS. I don't know who that is. Who's that person who's like, you know what? In five, for us to get there, these are the things that we need to do to make that happen. 
because it's right now it's just it's just empty claims. And so I'm excited and I think we can get there. And I think we're just going to almost despite ourselves, just due to evolution alone, just do trial and error, uh, not putting you know shit in our hair or whatever you said <laughs> yeah. earlier. Um, you know, we're going to learn how to get a little bit better. So I, I, I still wonder who that person is, because right now I feel like we do a lot of reacting. Right. Sunil's hair is on fire. He's got the women suing U.S. soccer. Yeah. He's got he's got the youth, you know, all the youth national teams. He's got to fire Jurgen. I mean, I get why he's a little bit all over the place. So he's reacting. Then you got Garber, who's trying to sell and get the league and get the tentacles out there and right. marketing and get everything out there. He's still reacting. Right. OK. Right. Now, St. Louis wants to get in and buy a team now. OK, how do I manage that? How does it fit into the thing? He's got to answer to the owners all the time. So he's got something different. Well, who's actually the person who's like, all right, in 10 years, this is where we want to be, and this is actually how we're going to get there. I don't know if that person exists, so that frustrates me. Now, with regard to promotion relegation, I did a piece. Uh, Garber had that thing where he kind of threw um, that, Nashville that. under the bus. Yeah. The Chattanooga FC. Chattanooga FC, yeah. So we, I flew out to Chattanooga. I interviewed the mayor uh, and just basically said, there's no way MLS can work here. you know, Because you, know, you have a stadium downtown. If you've learned anything in MLS, if you want to have success, you got to build a stadium 30 to 45 minutes outside of downtown. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. works. You know? Yeah. <laughs> look look at the results. That it works. Was like the best Daily Show video I've ever made. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I was my own correspondent. I threw it to myself and I dressed up. And it, we ended up didn't running the piece because it was all too inflammatory. But ultimately, uh, who made that call? It doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. Who made when the, the mics are off. <laughs> I hope one day that it surfaces because it's a funny ass video. But what I wanted to get in really my main point about it was if you can get a team like Chattanooga FC and if there's promotion relegation, even if they're in the fourth division, they still feel like they're part of the overall conversation. Right. So all of a sudden their yeah, fans yeah. are going to be like, hey, you know, if we just had a rich oil money guy come in we could we too could be at the top division yeah, right. right and there would be that kind of it would feel a part of it so all of a sudden you would lose that regional feel that mls has sometimes and every part of the country would then it would connect I mean, it would, part in it in yeah it would way. connect everyone would yeah because they all have the same dream right yeah. even if the, even if they had no chance of making it they're part of the conversation and i think that alone would make such a big difference in terms of the popularity of the t- and then when Open Cup happens, you got you finally did get a first division MLS team in. I mean, if MLS wants to keep the single entity or whatever, have their their you know fingerprints all over the thing, then buy every single division and just MLS one, two, three, four, oh, yeah. and and you can still have whatever you want or whatever your system is, where you can you know have control over all a lot of the machinations of it, but. But I just think we're we're excluding such a big part of the country. You know, you can do expansion and it's great, but. My my only issue now with expansion is you dilute the talent pool and our talent pool hasn't caught up to yeah, yeah. kind of expansion and and because when I started in the league and like you said well, I was like well, you know an originator yeah uh, I was oh gee year league. <laughs> it's the fourth year league when I came in but that's before a lot of us were paying attention to it though yeah fair, but there was twelve teams and and for you to make the team there was only eighteen guys yeah there was no you know extended big rosters there was no at the time project forty spots or youth international none of that. You just had to be good enough to make the 18. And when you look at the old DC United teams, they were all national teamers. They're starters. Yeah. All of them. And you just, you can't find a team now in MLS that has that kind of quality. And, and I, we need to figure out a way to get back to that. I wish we would have capped the number of expansion to just maybe to 20 and then allow our infrastructure to catch up, allow the development academies to catch up. 
and then start to expand. But I get it. I mean, you have a chance to bring a Minnesota in, an Atlanta in, St. Louis in, Sacramento wants to get in. That's exciting. You're building these rivalries, and Kansas City needs a rival, right? St. Louis is perfect. San Jose needs a proper rival, and I know they have L.A., but but Sacramento would be real, right? Yeah. So even the NYCFC and, and Red Bulls won, though it felt manufactured, you know, and that's part of it. That's you got to start somewhere after that seven zero drubbing. Now there's a right. history there. You know? <laughs> but I mean, that's that was needed yeah. because that'll be something that will live on in the history of the matchup, no matter what. You see, it was needed. It was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, honestly. Oh, oh thanks. I, thanks, Jim, for explaining oh, it all. Our, our pain, our pain was real <laughs> and it was needed for the well, good of the league, camera. <laughs> hopefully, you, you know, you've had new fresh pain since Toronto FC slapped you around a little bit. But, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. That. But I think for that. How many knives do you have on you, Jimmy? <laughs> <laughs> I feel two in my back right now. <laughs> I, am I safe to walk out? Of here? <laughs> so it's just—I think that was really when I saw that scoreline and it happened at Yankee Stadium. Like that's an incredible thing for that rivalry. Whether you know, for even an NYCFC fan, of course, it's painful. But sure. But I thought for like, actually planting a seed for a real rivalry. That's the kind of game that's going to do it. Well, they, yeah, that's it, what makes it a real derby. And it right develops a uh, history. It's it that first like marker right. of right. like why you hate this other team or yeah, why right. you love the yeah. other team or whatever. Right. right. For both fans, like you got to start somewhere. For those of us who may be NYCFC fans, like, well, yeah. I don't know why we have to start here, but we got to start somewhere. You have that what? You'd rather have it seven yeah. in Red Bull Arena. But, yeah. But, yeah. But, uh, that would have been amazing. It, it'll happen at some point. And also less people would have seen it if that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> Zing! I got some. Well I got some. Well I got some. Uh, let me let's talk about like the early days of MLS. What? Because you know, I look. I paid attention when uh, I remember going to the World Cup uh, in '94. Uh, that was my first opportunity to really see soccer live, and it was amazing. And stadiums were packed, and people were chanting. And I'm like, "What are they singing?" You know, uh, those Irish fans look wobbly. You know, what's happening? You know, and it was just amazing. And then I was like, "Let's go to some of those MLS games." And I went to some of the first Metro Stars games at Giant Stadium, and a lot less people were there. And it just something about it didn't seem real. And I think the first match I saw was uh, against uh, LA Galaxy and Andrew Shue. Yeah, he was on the team, and I'm like, "They're gonna." put him in he's terrible but you know he came on and I just remember seeing it felt it felt almost like um like a Disney version of the World Cup you know and it to me it was like I don't feel as much passion about this and I was already an Arsenal fan at the time right, right. so I'm like I've seen what it can look like how was it from your perspective because I remember caring about it but not feeling like it was there yet yeah it definitely wasn't there yet I, I think what they did early on was they just had to market the best they could and bringing an Andrew Shue onto the team yeah, yeah. was their play. Now, the LA Gal that team, that LA Galaxy team was very good. But um, where I think they made a mistake initially, or maybe not even for the first year, you just got to get going and, and got to do whatever you can, right? Yeah. But, but the next three or four years after that, it felt like they were marketing to soccer moms, right? And it was yeah. a family-friendly thing. Uh, you don't see soccer moms over anywhere else in the world no. hanging out with their kids, eating chips, <laughs> yeah, watching yeah, games, yeah. right? It just doesn't yeah. happen. Um, so once for me, there was two watershed moments for MLS that, that was for the better. Toronto FC, I don't think it's enough credit because when they first came into the league, they already had that supporter culture that you recognize everywhere else around the world. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't marketing to soccer moms. Yeah, no, not at all. And I all remember. of a sudden, they had a really good first season in terms of support. Right. The big thing for them was the streamers. I remember watching, they would throw streamers at whoever was taking a corner kick, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, it's just a little like, more... these people care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aggressive. It's not just some uh, fat guy with quacker, you know, they, you know they, whatever those things are yeah, called. Yeah, they said some funny chants, you know? I mean, they would get after it. Yeah. yeah. They said some things about my mom, who... <laughs> 
The sad part is she, she doesn't confirm or deny what they right. say. You know? Jesus. Like, that's Mom, our next this, episode. Mom! At least rebuke the comments, Mom. <laughs> I mean, could just stop looking down. But, say something, Mom. But I think that really changed MLS's uh, I don't know, perception of how they should be marketing. And that was a big deal. And then, what, two years later, then Seattle and Portland come in. And then obviously like, okay, this is exactly how it needs to happen. And right. then other markets could see, hey, that's that looks a lot more enjoyable than sitting next to a bunch of soccer moms that are just trying to kill two hours with their kids. You right. Know? And I think uh, there's some markets that have still embraced that, but ultimately that's where I think started from a supporters culture, that's where it started to change. And I don't think Toronto FC gets enough credit because it's always Portland, Seattle, Portland, Seattle, Portland, Seattle. Right. But Toronto FC was in the league two years before them and doing a hell of a job before that. So I, I, I really appreciate what they brought to the table. And then the other watershed moment, which I think might've been in 07 as well, was signing David Beckham. Excuse me, David Beckham. Um, he changed the level of professionalism for players that probably wasn't noticeable at first, but just all of a sudden per diem went up. Uh, I can't talk, per diem went up. And then how we flew became different because he came in and was like, what is this? This is, this is embarrassing. Oh, wow. You should be embarrassed for your club. But were you guys going standby or something? No, well, there would be all kinds of stuff. Like we would wear... Just Greyhound bus? Spirit or, Airlines? <laughs> but I mean, there was a lot of that. You, I mean, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it because it's just, it's kind of sad. You guys are all pedaling. Is this safe? I don't think this is a real plane. Dual bikes? Dual bikes? <laughs> There's some stuff that would just blow your mind. Uh, Give us one. One well, wild thing that Well, changed. one thing we did was when I was in San Jose my first year... They couldn't find a, a place to train. Like we we played our games at Spartan Stadium in San Jose State. Mm-hmm. So we already shared it with the college football team. <laughs> Not even a very good college football team. And we couldn't get on the field ever to train. And they have fields all over that campus. We couldn't get on those fields either. So we had to drive 30 minutes south in our cars after changing in our locker room in San Jose State and going all the way down to this place called Morgan Hill, where it's like where youth kids play. And then you didn't want to go all the way back. It was, in, it was, in, and we, we just change in our trunks, like out of our trunks, put our stuff, give it to the equipment manager and then just drive home. Cause it was faster than going back to go shower. But then if you had a meeting, it was a nightmare. <laughs> wow. And you're like, I, I felt, so that was my first year. I'm like, Oh man, I'm a professional soccer player. You know, I'm an athlete, professional athlete, you know, as and, you're paying for tolls with yeah, cash. Much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was making, well, I made $24,000 that year. So oh. that was minimum. So you'd go out that night. Or you go out after a game and everybody's like, oh, you play for their, or, you know, at the time, Clash. Yeah. And oh, you, he's buying drinks, everybody. You're like, no, actually, I'm not. You know? <laughs> no, I work here. <laughs> Let me see your idea. You're not getting in. <laughs> <That's unbelievable. laughs> so there's a lot of that where, you know, it's, we've graduated from a good, good portion of that. And so on those fronts, we've, we've made some big strides. But now that we're, it's, it, now that MLS is in a better place, it's, start, it's time to, not that those aren't important because there's a lot of other player things that need to get better. Sure. But now our infrastructure just needs to de- they need to take a hard look at that and how do we put people in place that can make good sound decisions. There's trust there. And we have a lot of skeptical people in this country. And, and our country's so big. You know? Yeah, we it's talk massive. About Germany and Spain being the best national teams. And their country is so relatively small compared to us. So you have a lot of people on different pages here. And it's hard. So it's just how do we figure that out? And Claudia Reyna came in and took a swing at it by creating this kind of thing for, you know, all the youth coaches to follow. 
and and then he took you know he went and did NYCFC so he didn't get into it as much now John Hackworth is back into it and so we have some good people that are trying their hearts in the right place but it's just the follow through and and having good you know foot soldiers ultimately to continue to pass on the message and it's 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 not uh, it's not an easy issue I think a lot of this stuff is going to take some time to tackle and I think as soccer fans like the last thing we always say that as an excuse ah, it's just going to take time. You know, we're going to get there. We're going <laughs> to yeah. pass NBA and everybody. It's just going to take time. More kids are playing this than anybody else. And, and, and I agree. It will, it will get there. Yeah. Only if we're making the right decisions to, to facilitate that and to make that happen. And I know there's things behind the scenes that even I'm unaware of that, that they're trying to do that. But you just wish that uh, it could happen a little bit quicker. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you were talking about some of the, the size of the countries. This is something that I've said many times, but I'm, I'm half Cuban, half Uruguayan. Uruguay loves to play soccer. They were, at the time I was saying this, they were number nine in the world. Mm-hmm. They had, their population is three and a half million people as a country. Right. And if you've ever been there, there's like one city and the rest is farmland. You know, a lot of space to practice, not a lot of people to tell you what to do. It's three and a half million people. As a city, the city we're in right now has eight and a half. It's actually eight point four. We have so many more people just in this city alone. I feel like there should be a way where just the city of New York can fill the national team up. You know, I mean, does that make sense? I mean, it does because we used to joke when I was at just the Queens, just Queens. <laughs> you know how many Latin dudes are there? We used to joke with the national team that we could have a Southern California national team and compete against you know anybody, like the rest of the nation, and hold our own, and if not win, because we could play year round. And that really helped us. And, and there was always games and really talented players. So, uh, yeah, I think you could. And I think, you know, if the weather was better here, maybe you could field a better team. But you're right. Just due to pure people. Just let us play in Timberlands. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be fine, son. The, the, the coach of the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's probably needs so to do something to get out. Work release program. It, it, I don't know. It, there's a... There's a lot of there are a lot of different directions you can go with that because it leads us back into the pay for play and um, the money that's being made as opposed to true development and you know the motives of the coaches and you know they need to survive too so I understand that they need yeah, to, for to sure. make their money to to pay for their family stuff and all that but then that usually trumps what's usually the development you know to a certain extent right and and also I'll add this too this is a, another wrinkle that I've learned along the way is that we're mandating our kids especially in the academy level to train four or five days a week. Then they play games on the weekend. And I, I, what I've sensed and when I watch a lot of it or when I talk to the kids that are actually participating, every time they're in training, they're being instructed what to do all the time. So do this, do that, do this. And they never have time just to think for themselves. Be creative. Be creative. Yeah. And and then they get in the game and the games get a little more tense and their parents are watching and there's so much pressure because their parents are paying $30,000 a year for them to be on this team. And they're, hey, you got to get a scholarship. And it's just... Wow, what a vicious cycle to put a kid under when they don't right. ever have any time just to play free. And I know some coaches are doing it too, doing that and, and giving that, them that opportunity, but it's usually like the last 10, 15 minutes of a training because you're just trying to cram all this stuff in because, it, you know, it's, there's a lot, a lot to work through. And, and, you know, I think there needs to be, as I mentioned this earlier, some coaching development that I think would help really facilitate. Like, listen, if you're U5, U6, this is all you need to be working on. Okay, so then when they get to seven and eight, that person can start working on the next phase and then you move it on and all the way up. But what's happening is sometimes you'll get a really good player at, let's say, seven, eight, nine, ten. He should be pushed on to somewhere else. So you can recognize like this guy is better than the rest of my team. But we kind of want to win trophies. Yeah. You know, and you're like, well, guess what? You're not winning scholarships at age 10. So just play pass this kid on to to 
uh, proper coach. But then I feel like these coaches don't know where to pass those players on to because we right. don't have a proper scouting thing. Anyway, I've talked on the circle. You guys understand what I'm saying. You're picking up what I'm putting down. But it's just that's where I get a little frustrated because there is no clear path. And it also leads to my frustration. Well, who's in charge of that? Which right. Up to the overarching thing. Like, OK, if we want to be this this world power in the sport in 10, 15, 20 years. Well, what are we putting in place to make that happen? Do other countries have that person? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So all right, like we're a, missing what, a te- something. Like the technical director, right? Oh, well, we, we just had, we one. Just had one of those. <laughs> that seat's <laughs> empty right now. It's so good. We didn't qualify yeah. for the Olympics. A few times <laughs> yeah. in a row. So it's, well uh, then who, if not him, if not Jurgen Klinsmann, well, Claudia Reyna was about. what a, he's a perfect fit for that. You know, he has a lot of experience. He's been around. he, he had, he's from know, New York, so I respect he's from it. New York. Yeah. Uh, he's well respected around the world. He has a lot of connections. He could get our coaches over to a Barcelona training. You know, he, he could just get exposed to a lot of different people uh, and, and being treated in re- with respect in return. You know, right. it's not always easy when you're an American uh, talking about this sport. So, but he's entrenched in NYCFC and, you know, this is where he lives, this is where he grew up. And right, right. I th- he took that job on once. It's just, it's a beast of a job. And I don't think it's a one person job. I think that's a five to 10 person job. And I don't know if U.S. soccer has the budget to even tackle it or even the motivation to tackle it or the incentive at the moment. You think they would because any, the more money we invest back down here, it's a longer term play, but it will pay off. Seems like it does pay off. Yeah. I mean, just watching the women's team, you know, the little bit of investment they were making in the past, look how much that's turned around, you know, good luck to their lawsuit, I guess. Uh, What, where do you see the league now? I mean, are you wishing you were playing in the MLS now? A lot of things have changed. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I watch NYCFC play all the time. Like I could help you guys. (laughs) (laughs) And it's where where do you think you could help the most? I think just in leadership. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, center backs in general, I think the best guys, especially ones that have a lot of longevity, it's just about putting fires out before they start. Um, So, you know, you put Pirlo in a good spot to cut out a passing lane, uh, that kind of stuff. And that's not ability. It's just opening your mouth and and taking ownership and accountability of of what you see in front of you. And you're in the best position in the field to move all the pieces in the right place. So do you think it's that the NYCFC players do not speak the same language? They all speak yeah. 11 different languages. <laughs> that, 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 honestly, that probably doesn't help. Yeah. But, I mean, there's still a universal language. Yeah, okay. um, in terms Somebody of yelling at you in Flemish. You're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's funny. It's, it's, it's almost less the words and it's the tone of how you're using oh, really? it. You know, okay. but, um, yeah, I don't think that helps. I think that, I'm sure there's a language barrier there. But um, yeah, I mean, I really feel like I could help the team. <laughs> I mean, that's probably my, that's probably my ego talking. Um, but, but I mean, you were you were obviously a legend in MLS. You, uh, well, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. No problem. I'll you say said it. it. I'll say it. Yeah. Usually I had to say it myself. Well, you <laughs> did ask us to say it at least <laughs> yeah. three times. Self, uh, self-proclaimed. Self. Uh, you guys, uh, you did win the MLS Cup in... Uh, 2001. Yeah. 2001. With uh, Can't... Uh, no, oh, I got no. to the final in 04. Oh, that's right. That's right. And then uh, Aleko cheated and we lost. <laughs> <laughs> Holding on to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> The rest uh, what, of my life, it's gonna be my tombstone. Especially at, at at the time, given like uh, you know what MLS meant and where MLS was, what did that uh, cup win mean to you? Well, I won it when I was twenty three, and I thought oh, I'm gonna win one of these like every two years. No <laughs> I got Landon Donovan on my team; it's all good. And then I got traded to Kansas City, and it became a little bit harder. But um, <laughs> we won the Open Cup in 04 with Kansas City, and we got to the final and played DC. That was Freddie Adu's rookie year, and a lot of hype and. We uh, scored early to break down this game really quick. We had won maybe 10 to 15 games, won nothing that year. Like we just would score one and lock it down. Yeah. Well, Jose Bersiaga scored five minutes in. 
So our mentality of winning games one to nothing, like, man, we got a bunker for 85 minutes. It just, we were really in unfamiliar territory. Yeah. Then we gave up a really good first goal that Aleko did score. And then there was a handball that he converted to make it 2-1. <laughs> and then we had an own goal, 3-1. Like, we gave up three goals in 15 minutes and we were shell-shocked at halftime. We came back, made it 3-2. We had, they got a red card. And I thought, we, if we get the third one, it's over because they were dead. We just couldn't get that third one. So, I mean, it was, it was a great game if you were watching as a neutral. Mm-hmm. But for us, it was so close to winning the double, which would have been amazing at that point. And so, yeah, I mean, you think when you're younger and you win a championship, you're going to win a bunch of them. And then that was the only one I ended up winning. And it's a bit of a shame. All right. But you won one. I did one one. Yeah, yeah. they can take that away from me. Absolutely. That's no, right. they can't. <laughs> did you, when you were young, I remember you saying that, uh, you know, you were talking about like wanting to be a professional soccer player. You weren't sure. And then one day you sort of decided that you were going to go for it. Uh, was Europe or South America or, or Mexico, was that something that you considered at all? Or were you happy to play in the U.S.? Uh, when I was growing up, there was no MLS. So UCLA soccer was the, the place to go. And they had Brad Friedel and Kobe Jones and Ziggy Schmidt was the coach and Joe Max Moore. I mean, it was a solid, solid team. So I was watching yeah. some really talented players. And that's where I wanted to go. I thought that was be my end game. I ended up getting to go there. I walked on and won a national championship my senior year. I was like, that's it. Cool. You know, mic drop. I'm done. And then MLS had started at that point. But when I was younger... There was nothing. It was just the national team. And, and you, you had to go to some pizza place that had the game up high and like TV was fuzzy. You couldn't even make out who was who. You know, I remember watching the 86 World Cup at some like shakies. Like, is that who? What? You know, and like, yeah. I'm just trying to explain who everybody is. Like, I can't make out who, you know, Maradona. I have no idea, you know. Yeah. But and then there was no league MA Keys. There was nothing. You couldn't. We couldn't watch any games. Yeah. So there was no real league to aspire to. So you just aspired to what you saw in front of you, which was UCLA soccer. And then they had like an indoor professional league, the LA Lasers. I don't know if I wanted to be an LA Laser player, but I did appreciate that those guys were pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Was it a la- what, Lasers with a Z? Or, uh, Z. Yeah. Had to be a uh, Z. Yeah. Yeah. So now now I take it Z. seriously. Yeah, yeah. But with <laughs> just an S, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure about this team. So I, I didn't really ever consider professionally in t- or uh, becoming a professional until... I won a national championship at UCLA and thinking, I think I can do this. And then I just gave it everything I had. I went and didn't get drafted, but I went and played in the A-League, slept on floors, ate top ramen, trained twice a day, just pushed myself to get out there. Um, I made $800 a month. You know, wow. Just, just, I, that, those, that's actually my, my most favorite year in the whole part of it because then that those are the moments where I had to decide if I really wanted to become a professional or not. Yeah, that's more than a comedian makes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 800 a month? We're like, whoa, what are you featuring? Yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah, yeah. top billing over here. Funny guys. Funny guys. <laughs> Did we get that on audio? They were funny. <laughs> You're funny guys. Well, it, it's, uh, it's fascinating, especially watching watching your career and what, sort of where it's gone now and w- watching you as a, as a, you know, a YouTube personality, just a media personality and seeing, seeing your personality compared to when you were playing. You were pretty badass dude i mean just even yeah. just church, e- church and state man <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah it's um yeah my personality is is something else at times. <laughs> and i think you can tell when i'm ready to talk and be serious i can be i can be pretty serious and get into it about stuff i care about um more often than not if i have a passionate subject 
Uh, my main target right now is Jurgen Klinsmann. Right. Uh, I try to package it in a way that's fun and a little bit more engaging. But my, I'm, if you listen to what I'm saying, I'm, I'm getting right after it. Right. And I think that that goes with a lot of stuff. I package a lot of my stuff in a lighthearted way. But if you're listening, then there's a lot of meat there too. It's a lot of yelling with a smile. Yes. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just, I just watch everything muted. So I'm like, why is he so angry? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's really upset. Dude, this guy needs to chill out. <laughs> Yeah. How does it feel? Because for those of us who followed you online, it seems that now you're sort of starting over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I became more familiar with your personality, it was on a different channel. Um, it was on Kick, and now you're Kick TV back then. And now you're on your own channel. Um, and you sort of had to start over again. Do you take the same drive uh, that you did when you were trying to get in the league? Yeah, it's great. I, I, I do lean on those experiences a lot. I don't, it doesn't dissuade me from not trying. Like I get up with a, just a great deal of energy just to prove that I can do it and do it by myself. I've taught myself how to edit, um, obviously come up with all my own ideas. And a lot of that I was doing already for the previous channel, but, but I had a team around me that could help assist and add layers to all my ideas. Now I'm just by myself. I'm trying to slowly bring on people for different projects, but it's, it's difficult. But at the same time, uh, I, I, I don't have anybody, a middleman anymore to mm-hmm. tell me what I can and can't do. I can do it myself. Or if I want to talk and work with brands, then I just talk directly to them. And it's been really refreshing in that way. I'm doing a lot of stuff for EA Sports and FIFA 17, which has been uh, pretty cool. I'm in the game now. So if you guys have it, I'm in the yeah. main menu on yeah, Mondays yeah. and Tuesdays. Round of applause, man. Yeah, that's, you that's, you that's put on surreal. FIFA. That's, crazy. that's so cool. My you put on FIFA, is, Tim. My favorite part is... Uh, the, the video never loads. It just never loads. Like if, <laughs> like if you go into the main menu and you see it and it goes, you're probably going to watch. But then if you see it loading, you're like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to play my game. Yeah. I'm like, no way, stay. Watch yeah. me. Everybody watch. Put Click. so much time into that. Just yeah. watch. You know? um, and you're so on Mondays and Thursdays? Mondays and Tuesdays. Mondays and Tuesdays. Yeah. So it's been fun. And I've developed a good relationship with them. And EA's doing a lot of big things around their own, like invitationals and stuff moving forward. Right. I plan on being part of the production team. And what's fun is I did some color commentary for them this past weekend uh, for a FIFA event with Coca-Cola. And you can really Mystery Science Theater 3000 the color commentary because it's just a it's a video game. I mean, those guys are taking it serious. There's like $5,000 on the line and all that. Yeah. But you can make fun of them a little bit. And I really appreciate because I did some color commentary for the Portland Timbers and I did some FIFA club world cup and I did stuff for Fox before joining kick TV. And, uh, I don't, you gotta be serious. Yeah, of course. And the way they package it. I, one time (laughs) I did this, there was a FIFA club. No, was it a, no, no. CONCACAF champions league game, Taro FC, which is in Panama versus FC Dallas on a Wednesday night. Nobody was in Dallas. There was nobody there. And I'm working with a guy. We're in a booth, like this little tiny booth in L.A. calling a game from in Dallas. And I don't know any of the players on Taro FC. I know, obviously, the FC Dallas players. I don't know the guy play-by-play guy at all, so I don't know how he's going to team me up. <laughs> right. I'm still relatively new to this. I'm tired. You know, I'm just, I, mean, I just had my second baby, and I'm just, whatever. Like, all hell's broken loose at this point in my mind. So he throws it to me, and they're, like, panning the crowd. I'm like, well looks like there's plenty of seats still available. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, the producer starts laughing in my ear. Now, as you guys know, when you hear right. a little, little laugh, that's, yeah, that's lean that's harder. Go yeah. for it. Oh, hit that so pedal harder. <laughs> I just yeah. went for it. Like the rest of the game, I'm like, what's Hartman doing with his hair? You know? <laughs> You're almost 40, dude. Let it yeah. go. You don't have to bleach it anymore. And just, I killed Seamus, uh, the coach and everybody. It was just a slay fest. And on Twitter, 
either people loved it or they absolutely hated it. Like, this guy is you know, disrespectful. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, I'm watching a game and all of a sudden the, the commentators roasting yeah, everybody on roast, the field. Roast battle. <laughs> it was the best time yeah. I ever had calling yeah. the game. The like, best I, time I, I ever had. This motherfucker here is like, no, <laughs> you need to stop. Yeah, I left. <laughs> you need to stop. I, I left the booth going, that was a blast. When can I do more of these kind of games? Yeah. And everybody thought it was funny. And the, but the play-by-play guy, I didn't really recognize it at the time, but in after thinking about it when I got home, the guy was looking at me like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, is this guy for real? He's giving you stop and you're like, I know I'm killing. <laughs> I'm killing out of here. Unbelievable. It was unbelievable. So after, so fast forward maybe three months later, MLS Cup, I'm at the whatever, the after or the before the game party and somebody from FC Dallas comes up to me like, hey man, yo, that was inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that was not cool at all. I was like, man, there was nobody at the game. I didn't, why would I, why would anybody want to watch if nobody's in the stands? Yeah. So I was just trying to like, I wanted to be entertained and make it engaging for me. They ended up hiring, they wanted to uh, offer me a job. And I was like, that's really weird that you slam me and then you want to offer me a job. So, you know, I got something. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, I got the juice. That sounds like exactly what juice, happens. Huh? That's exactly what happens with my what wife whenever I'm like around my in-laws. She's giving me the eyes. I'm like, I know, right? I'm, I'm, I'm hitting all these people. What and you, then we get home. She's like, please stop making fun of my family. <laughs> that's an interesting uh, just subject because that's the thing we talk about a lot. We're both stand-up comics and we're, yeah, we, we sort of dove into the soccer world. So we're trying to merge like humor and soccer. But that seems, there seems to be some friction we're there. getting some pushback yeah where people it or like not. they don't uh, even either we're working with uh saying soccer fans are sensitive <laughs> not just fans but like part of the industry seems to be worried we've been in meetings where we hear that they're worried about what we might say next they're, they're concerned about possible like ridicule or something like that where there's no there's, there's welcome no, to my world yeah, yeah and it's yeah. like you, what do you mean you, you know if you if you do something of course we might comment on it but that's part of the fun like you guys can comment on us oh no you want to go back to your safe suburban spaces okay <laughs> well then i'm sorry that's not who we are you know yeah <laughs> you guys have another yeah. <laughs> they they uh you're showing us battle wounds right now you're like yeah no I mean, did that I've in 88 <laughs> frankly i've been blacklisted from mls like i don't they don't want me to be a part of any of their production stuff like when they're doing have you seen their live broadcasts around playoffs or all that's i mean yeah i mean I if anyone be, has I, trouble sleeping feel free to watch those <laughs> so, so that proves my point that yeah. I'd be a nice addition to that team. Oh, 100%. And, and fit what, exactly what they're looking to do, and they just, they're not allowed to, to include me in it because somebody up above is doesn't, is, I'm, un, I'm unpredictable. U.S. soccer won't credential me at games anymore because they want to know exactly what I'm doing at all times. And wow. for me, like, I'll just go buy a ticket and do whatever the hell I want then. Yeah. Um, I know how to sneak in cameras. You can try to follow me. I've had people follow me. The goal, uh, CONCACAF is on Are you me. swallowing a GoPro like a, in a condom? Like what a Dude, they're on me like a hawk. They saw, I dressed up as a referee for the Gold Cup final. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, I'm wondering why they don't want you there, man. <laughs> so this is an amazing story. I dressed up as a, as a referee ahead of the Mexico-Jamaica final in Philadelphia. That was when Mexico got to the final because of like penalty kicks and there's a lot of shady stuff going on. And I was, I was handy. I had money. I put money in all my pockets. And I put, I had a big sign that said, if you want to win the game, you need to pay here. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. It was so much fun. Like the fans loved it. 
Mexican fans thought it was. I mean, I made twenty bucks and like. Did you really? <laughs> they thought it was the funny. It's it's a great video. Twenty bucks and, or pesos? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. No. You can't even supersize yeah. it with twenty pesos. <laughs> but uh, it was fun. We had a blast, and, and the reaction. I, if if I felt there was some negativity around it, I just would have bagged the whole bit, sure. right? And just change back and whatever. But people were. It was the best, and the positive. Even the Jamaican fans thought it, everybody thought it was funny, and, and where we got into some trouble. So let me back it up. I took a Instagram photo of it. It ended up being the, the picture on Twitter. Um, I put it on Twitter as well. That, that was the most engaged photo of that day. And, <laughs> and within two minutes of me posting that picture, I could feel my phone ringing and I knew who exactly who it was. CONCACAF called MLS, MLS called Kick TV, and Kick TV is like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, I'm having a blast. Yeah. I don't know what you guys are doing. I'm crushing it right now. <laughs> it's yeah. like that I'm trending. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that earlier play. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now you're not crushing. No, I'm killing but it. Was is there fun. an emoji for this? I don't know. So <laughs> that ended up becoming a, a, a topic of, of discussion moving forward because it, it ended up playing out all right because it got a lot of good positive feedback. Sure. But ultimately, it raised the red flag. Like, we can't control Jimmy. We don't know what he's going to do. And I'm like, I'm just trying to laugh and smile, man. It's not that hard to figure out. Now, where we kind of found some middle ground was I didn't create that issue. I didn't create this referee drama. I didn't make up some, some controversy. Right. Yeah. That was the elephant in the room. I just brought it to light. And so I think there's a way for you guys to attack it where as long as you're not going out of your way to be assholes and going out of your way to like hmm. bring up stuff that isn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, take that, that, that direction a little more. If you're, if you're diving in hard on a on topic that's already happening, like, like with Klinsman, for instance, or for promotion relegation, then I think that's fine. But it, I think where you're really going to rub feathers for anybody is if you're going out of your way to create some, some drama that, that, yeah, maybe it's fair, fair game to get into, but they just don't want to deal with. And so I, I just try to balance that out. You know, I mean, sometimes I get into it. Sometimes I don't. And uh, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Right. Well, recently, we brought uh, an, another comedian friend of ours who, who does a great Donald Trump impression. We brought him to an NYCFC game. This is per, before the election. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. 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 And that and that was. Did you hit subscribe? All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sounds like a no. That's, All not, right. that's fine. We got to prove it. We got to prove ourselves. First. You, need, yeah. you need a few more videos. <laughs> All right. You're but a one hit wonder right now. We're working on it. That right, was, well, this is two. Two hits with this one. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a big one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> that was a. Uh, uh, that was a moment where, like, we sort of brought a very uh, uh, divisive uh, person and issue uh, into the soccer world. And I think it, what was fascinating was that the people in the stands sort of reacted the same way. Some were, some, most, everybody was like, this is hilarious. This right. is such a funny. Some people were like, this is disgusting. How dare you make this joke? But you're going to, like, offend somebody. It doesn't mean that, right. that it's morally wrong to, to bring a Donald Trump impersonator to a soccer game. But seeing those two worlds together sort of showed that... It is. We have more in common than than we don't. Like, I, I, just the fact that people in soccer are just so afraid to just have a little bit more fun with with it, or even just merge the the, the soccer culture with other cultures, is like that's what's the, probably the most disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what makes it tough for us because, like, you know, just just simple bits about our character, just simple bits about like ourselves. It's hard to bring that into the fold because it seems like everyone in the U.S. soccer community wants it to be this way. You know, hey, no, this is look, we we 
like this. We This is easy for us. And we're like, yeah, but look at us over here. And, you know, just like simple things of like even adding like like hip hop music. People are like, ooh, that's a little jarring. You know, have you heard this banjo song? And you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, nobody wants that. Like that's that's sort of, you know, we watch soccer in other countries and they have different cultures that, that attach itself to it. And it seems like U.S. soccer is a very safe. Uh, let's just do like it seems very mall like. Does well, that make it, sense to you? U.S. soccer. Yes. And I think it goes back to them marketing to soccer moms at the very beginning. Right. You know, There's still a little bit of that. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't want to they don't want to lose that. I think one of Don Garber's biggest fears is some hooliganism where somebody dies fighting each other outside of a stadium. Now, obviously, that'd be a fear. I mean, I'm, I'm fearful of that. Yeah. I, don't yeah. want, I don't want us to get to that level. I think that's dumb across the no, board. of course. But when he sees... Even no. though some of us may have been involved in that <laughs> in the audience. Yeah. When Red Bull, you know, when, when there was that kind of a, you know, any dust ups between Red Bull fans and NYC right. fans. Hashtag all sandwich board lives matter. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, it's, it's, that's a fear for them. And I, I think they, they want to embrace the TIFO and all that stuff, but, but don't really want the like, violent component yeah. of it, which for me is just going to be the natural evolution of this because as a younger generation, especially the, the, the kids that, that want to be part of something bigger than themselves and they're searching for community, right? This is kind of their gang. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Have the the stability at home. This is what it becomes. And then it becomes more of a turf war. Like you really get protective of of your group and that's going to lead to a skirmish at some point. Somebody's going to get hurt at some point. And that's like, it's just what's going to (laughs) happen. And, and I don't, I don't, I don't want that to happen. No, it's just, it's, We'd be dumb to say otherwise. Yeah, I mean, there's no way to avoiding that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just want to hurt people emotionally. (laughs) Yeah, like physically. That's like me. We want to hurt you with jokes, (laughs) (laughs) jokes that don't. There's a place for you guys, and I think it's one of those those moments where if you don't stick it out in three years, you'd be like, "Oh, we should have just stuck it out because the the thing has evolved. People are now open to it, and maybe you guys are the ones that kick down the door and you get accepted as, oh, you know." We all have these little bits, the cooligans, these are what these guys do. Yeah. And now you found your place in the universe. For me, it took me a long time to get to a point where I would hear a lot, wow, that's just Jimmy being Jimmy, right? Great. I'm going to play that card as much as humanly possible. Right. And that's where you guys will eventually get. You just have to keep pushing. If so. you weren't in, and I said this to you, we met once uh, a long time ago. Uh, whispered sweet nothing. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah. shh, my wife can hear. Uh, <laughs> so can mine. I never yeah. forgot it. <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend. Uh, uh, we met and we were talking about it. And then at the end of the meeting, it was the first time I met you personally. I said, dude, thank God you never picked up a microphone because you have such a strong personality that as comedians, we're like, oh, you know, just us, not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you go do something else. What would you have done if you were ended soccer and you know uh youtube wasn't where it is or what it was then what would you have done uh, i would have my plan was to always be a math teacher and coach i was a math major in college and there's a big void for math teachers i had a really really good math teacher in college who was so inspiring he come in and he just made you love calculus that's crazy to say yeah wow. but the guy was <laughs> it's hard for me to hear to be honest but i was i, I learned the it, it was less about what I learned and how he taught it. And, and to this day, I'm still really encouraged um, by, by his style. And it was a performance. He was given a performance because I saw him after class sometimes and he was just absolutely wiped out because he gave you everything that he had in that class. And I thought more kids need to be exposed to this. 
And now, you know, with YouTube and, and some of the videos I do are trying to be teach. I try to teach or I life coach some of the stuff too, where I do get serious and I try to give you a proper answer. Uh, and I feel like I have a need to, to give back and want to do that. Unfortunately, I'm in this kind of crossroads because I do want to coach. I do joke about it a lot online, but my kids are nine and five and even the best coaches are hired to get fired and I just don't want to move them around. Yeah. Um, so I'll probably wait till they're out of high school and then I think I'll start to really take coaching a little bit more serious and figure out what I want to do. I mean, I can't do the clown nose and clown shoes forever. So, yeah. Um, I just want to make sure I could probably produce, right. But get behind the scenes and start building up the next wave of people. But, but I'm really excited about being invested in developing the youth uh, past this. There's a great, great academy called right to dream that was over in Ghana when I did uh, some time there for, for our world cup preview back in 14. And what I love about the right, right to dream is, and they come over here to fundraise. If you guys are interested, you should do some research on it. This guy was a scout for Manchester United, Sir Alex Ferguson. All Sir Alex Ferguson wanted was for him to find the next Samuel Eto'o. It's like, I don't, I can get hard workers from Scotland, you know, or from whatever these other countries around here, but I need you to find like the next special player. So for five years, he went around Africa, built contacts, 27 countries, didn't find the next Samuel Eto'o. Manchester United wasn't, they weren't unhappy with him. Like, all right, Nick, no problem. We understand it's hard. You know, there's only one Didier Drogba and one Samuel Eto'o out there every generation or whatever. But he saw so many sad things, let's say. And with his own money, he started this thing called Right to Dream. And there's a lot of corruption in Ghana with the politics. And it's, it's, it's really sad. And you can see it everywhere. And all he wanted to do was, using soccer as a vehicle, develop proper human beings so that they would come back and take really take pride in being good leaders in their country and their cities and stuff like that. And now he's put a couple guys in the Manchester City system, uh, three guys on the Ghana national team for the, 04, the 2014 World Cup were from Right to Dream. Uh, I mean, their soccer is incredible. Their, the level of the play and the coach is amazing. But he started with like five thousand ten thousand dollars and have created this thing now they you know they have a couple million dollars pumped in that's great but it's there's something there that i really appreciate and and because the seed is more about developing human beings uh you know they're using soccer as a tool to get them better experiences go to better schools go to youth academies learn about life and then you're eventually going to come back and give back to your community and they, they haven't hit that wave yet some of the kids have come back but but they're still young and they're still working through it. So is there's something you, about that that I, I really love. And if I could do a right to dream in the United States, uh, I, I want to do that. That's uh, absolutely inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, like, I, I'm like, I want to quit comedy and become, become a soccer coach. Uh, <laughs> More spots for me. Go for it. Because uh, <laughs> it's like, I don't, know how many, I don't know how many kids I'm going to inspire with a bunch of dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. If you're going to be a coach, you can be a coach. <laughs> so let's bring it back wow. to the jokes. Huh? Let's bring it back to the jokes. Pure fire. Pure fire. We're going to need a new microphone. Uh, is that what you're doing something in, in, in Brazil with, right? You're doing something yes. in Brazil? So I'm doing stuff with the third half, which is, uh, it's a for-profit organization, but ultimately what it's doing, and they have four trips in 17 where they're going to South Africa, they're going to India, Costa Rica, and Brazil. And I'm going down to the Brazil trip with, uh, in conjunction with uh, the local nonprofit, uh, Love Football. So what we're doing... Um, use 25 people, only 25 spots. I only think there's 22. I think three people have signed up for sure. We're working on some others. Going to go down. We're going to build a field for uh, an underserved community in the favelas. Um, we're going to help them build this field, maybe a school that's possible and 
from that. And we're also going to play a lot of soccer, go see a lot of games. So there's, there's a mix of everything and doing some tour, touristy stuff, I suppose, because we'll have a couple of days in Rio. But yeah, it's just about going back and, and exposing people to, um, if anybody that wants to come, that there's this big wide world out there that where a lot of people need help. So it's, uh, they asked me to be a part of it. I was honored to be included. And now I'm just trying to spread the word and get as many people down there as possible. We have a lot of people that are interested. It's a little, it's expensive, but all the money, all the profits that go from the, your trip go right back into the community. So it's not like they're just trying to, they're just trying to make their money to, to stay afloat as a company. They're not right. trying to scam anybody or scam anybody. And, yeah. and uh, I wouldn't be associated with them if that's what they were about. It's really cool. Giving back, man. All right. Yeah. Wow. We should start doing I've that. I've learned some things. So I figured I might as well. Talk and I like talking. So yeah, like, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, good go for us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we, I mean, it's been about ninety minutes. Yeah. Do you want to? Yeah. We're well, just food. <laughs> why don't we do this? We have a we have a, a special gift for you uh, from someone in the audience. Um, wow. Yeah. This is Andy. Uh, round of applause round for Andy, guys. For Andy. Hey, come on up. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Connor. <laughs> I'd like to hug you. Yeah. There we go. Beautiful. <laughs> so he went hug first, but Andy represents uh, American Outlaws Bronx. Um, and look, look how great this is. You don't have to go to the Bronx to get this scarf. How great is this? You know, look at this. You saved yourself a trip. But just keep in mind that the red is actual blood. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is awesome. How great is that? Yeah. That's awesome. yeah for- Anytime, man. This one actually says United States on the opposite side because you played for the United States. He did. He did. It was a good observation, Andy. <laughs> yeah. Bronx, you know, for games, I figured you guys would appreciate it more. But uh, nonetheless, as the American Outlaws Bronx chapter founder, future president, it's an honor to meet someone. <laughs> He's campaigning right now. He's campaigning. Yeah. Andy, thank you. You so too can be president. <laughs> yeah, yeah Andy, thank you so much, man. Thank you so much, dude. Thank you. Which I guess That's if up. if we have a question for you, you really are planning on running for U.S. Soccer president, are you not? Uh, yeah, I did throw that out there. Um, I think. It's one of those things where I don't know if I want to win. <laughs> Which is well, look, you could be president if you don't want to win <laughs> and you still run. It's, it's funny. There are some parallels to, to the real life election. Um, I, I just think people feel like there's a time for change. Sunil's been in charge for a long time. And I don't, whether he runs or somebody else runs, I don't feel like he should run unopposed, first and foremost. And he has for uh, how many for, years? For a long time. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't even know the years, but he's been... I think it's 12, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I think he's been in charge for 12 years. and He's, he's been, run unopposed. Which is... Must be pretty awesome. Yeah. Right? I think just him and Putin, I think, are the only ones. <laughs> I don't know if I want to see Sunil without his shirt on. But He'd get my vote. He'd get my vote. But I... I some, I, more often than not, a lot of my ideas come from what would make a good content opportunity. And there's nothing funnier to me than stumping at like a youth tournament trying to talk to some five year olds about the future of U.S. soccer. <laughs> and so I really just kind of started from that idea, and I thought I should just run. And, and if anything, poke holes and and half make him have to answer tough questions. Um, yeah, that's that, th- something similar happened. Uh, I, I challenge him to a bit. To a debate, like as much as humanly possible. Oh, that would Everywhere be awesome. I go, that would be awesome. I don't know where Sunil is, everybody, but I'm here. <laughs> we got to the constituents. We got to go to Columbia University where he's a professor. No, we no, I've, yeah, I've been up there. Oh, have you? Have you tried? I've, I've interviewed him up there before. Oh, have you? Yeah, uh, I have a good relationship with Sunil, and I think he would just. Well, that might be tested if you run for his. <laughs> <laughs> well, it already is. Yeah. Tested. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he comes at me pretty strong when I interview him, and and even off camera. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. He likes button heads with me. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. 
So. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it was. It's similar to remember Howard Stern ran for mayor of New York City mm -hmm. uh, years ago, right. and and he was winning. He was like, <laughs> it was it was like plausible that he was gonna be the next New York City mayor. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Some of us are <laughs> and thinking. then and then he dropped out because he was like, oh no, they. I, I, I can actually win. This right, is yeah. now. I don't. Well, I don't want right, this right, job. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. He took the subway once. He's like, I have no idea how to fix this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have a. We have a. We have a special guest, uh, Colin. You want to come up? Okay. Come on up. Try to give us guys, ladies and gentlemen, Colin Willardson. Here, you can hold on to my mic. Yeah, yeah. I was I was giving you the no. Yeah, I know, but no, I was no, going to do no. it anyway. Well, for those of you who don't know, Colin Willardson uh, works on behalf of Mac Weldon, which is our yes. sponsor, and why this event is even happening. Mac so, round of applause for Mac Weldon. Now, it's we didn't just bring up our sponsor. This isn't like letting the guy with the biggest billboard throw out the first pitch at a baseball game. Uh, Colin, cool you're, if it was, yeah, no, right. I don't even have a billboard. Yeah, yeah. We're like, oh, by the way, he's going home with you, Jimmy. Uh, we promised him that. Uh, yeah, is that cool? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could play FIFA. Yeah, and, yeah. He gives us free underwear, so you got to do it. I have sweatpants. We can get in those, get cozy. Well, we, can, yeah, we can compare notes with our underwear. Aw, yeah. They are the get most California. comfortable underwear in the world, by the way. What? I, they are the most comfortable underwear in the world. I know we say it i'm wearing them right now are you are you i know i am nobody wants to see mine wait wait jimmy is jimmy is <laughs> i got my mac weldon's on do you really look i have mine as well hold on a second They're, mine are the g-strings i don't know what yours are yeah. Those no, are custom made for Jimmy. Under boxer briefs. That's a big dude. I'm wearing, I'm wearing long. I'm wearing long underwear actually, and I'm kind of sweating. Really? Yeah. It's That's... everyone thinks we brought you up to talk about underwear. <laughs> no. Uh, but you're a soccer fan as well, correct? I have real opinions. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. So far. <laughs> one, I love you because you're an Arsenal fan, and you have an Arsenal tattoo. I do. Thank yeah. You. Very nice. We got. Some... And I have a U.S. soccer tattoo. That's what's up. But there you go. It's now that makes up can... for the Arsenal tattoo. No yeah. one has. No one has a Newcastle <laughs> tattoo. No one has that. I'm sorry, Jimmy. No, and did you play for a? Uh, uh, I'm not to like rub anything. Didn't you play for Pol like a Polish team for I a while? Did like Poznan? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if anyone has tattoos of that here. No, but they definitely do over there. Yeah, those, yeah. Those guys are crazy. But they they're also insane. mixed in with like Russian prison tats. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's he true. does I'm have just, I'm just guessing. Uh, yeah, no, it's probably a, an apt guess. Uh, me and right. Robert Lewandowski are the two big guys. Oh, okay. I like Poznan, yeah. Wait, were you on I like that you put yourself the... first. Yeah. <laughs> it's myself and then I'm just a, below. There's that guy, Lewandowski. It's a, it's a me and. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, you know, were you guys on the same squad together? No, we weren't. He came in after me. So yeah, yeah. You, you set the, the stage. You opened the door yeah. for Robert I'm Lewandowski. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, taking, I'm taking full credit. You're welcome, Germany. Part. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so I guess uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is, uh, you know, you also, we were talking a little bit about the U.S. soccer. Uh, yeah. You've been an open, open, uh, you know, critic of Jurgen Klinsmann and you haven't shied away from that now. Uh, what about yourself, Colin? About Jurgen? Yeah. What about U.S. soccer in general? U.S. soccer in general, Jurgen, whatever you want to say. Um, I mean, it's hard because when Jurgen came in, I was very excited to finally have... You know, there was this coach that had a great resume, and I'll I was... take a picture of you. Okay. <laughs> I just want to get permission first. Yeah. No, I was excited. We had a coach with a great resume coming on the squad, and or leading our squad, and I was like, you know, finally this could be... Uh, not that Bob Bradley did a terrible job. I think he did great, and I was excited to see, okay, so we had Bradley for a while, and now we have somebody that's, you know, got such great coaching experience. He's actually felt the glory of holding the cup, and, <laughs> and now... You know he's gonna he's gonna lead our squad now. Super excited, and then um, you know uh, Howler. I even have a frame because I thought it was such a great cover. They did the the cover where Jurgen won his his first game, and it was against Mexico, and it was the Temple of Doom cover. If you guys remember that, and it was great, and I was super excited. And then 
once he started just kind of bashing the MLS, I definitely lost a lot of respect for him just because that's where the future of the U.S., uh, of the MLS, of us winning a World Cup, anything, that's where it comes from. You can't you can't feel the team with all players from Europe and expect to qualify and do well in all these tournaments. You know, it's it's exhausting to fly across the country all the time. It's exhausting to do all the jet lag stuff. And the fact that he just was not putting faith into, you know, our own system, our own academy, it really bothered me. It, it Everyone was, else does it. Yeah, but flying from... You know, if you play in France and then you have to fly to a game in England, you're not jet lagged. You're not going with time differences. You're not flying across the pond. Like, it's a little different. You know, where if I'm telling you to fly, like, oh, hey, you know, you're playing for uh, Berlin. Like, yeah, come over here to the U.S. and play for the weekend and then go back. That's a lot on the body. I mean, I don't know, Jimmy, do you, could you attest to that I was about to say, all? do you agree, disagree? Yeah, I was concentrating on pitchers. <laughs> I do have a most nice of it was phase. they fly too far when you play from Europe to come here. Should have oh, focused yeah. well, more I mean, on American players. No, no, I do have a face for radio. It's a long commute. It is yeah. a commute. I mean, you could use Barcelona as an example. All those those guys have to fly over to South America. Suarez, Neymar, and Messi. When they come back, they're always crap that next game. Um, and Messi and, has such a great attitude about the national he team. Does. Yeah. He does. He does. <laughs> Uh, He's a real team player. Yeah, it sounds he seems like. I mean, you lose three finals in a row, you're gonna be pretty down and out, man. I think you're just kind of over it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the odds of you getting to another final and losing are pretty good, probably. But, uh, but I think that yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. And I think flying across the country it makes it difficult. Well, but, but, in the world and yeah, and I, but I just I think that that's when I wanted Jurgen out was yeah he was winning some games here and there, but at the end of the day, like when you know our last um, Gold Cup, you know we didn't do too well, and then. Him, as much as I love Wondolowski, him keep putting Wondolowski on and <laughs> Dave, hold your no, tongue. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you want a, a ball skied over the post, yeah, yeah you can. He's, he's your guy. <laughs> and then, and just when they're, I don't know, I just. Like four guys never going to live that down. He's really not. He could score 30 goals. I've, I've, I've even texted you about Wondolowski and I was like, he's just always going to have that against him no matter yeah, what. Yeah. But, um, that, that's what bums me out about Jurgen, and uh, and I like the fact that Bruce Arena is most likely coming in because he has seen the promise and the results of putting focus into the MLS and bringing players up, case in point, and and stuff like that. And I think that's exactly what the U.S. national team needs right now is like a good, you know, yeah, like it still uses great players that are playing Germany or, or England or wherever, but it's like we have a lot of great players here that are really not being tested, and let's do that. All right. Uh, well, Kyle, we wanted to ask since you're representing Mac Weldon, we wanted to ask, uh, you know, what, uh, what, what, what's the hot underwear coming out this season? You know, you want to look sexy in Mac Weldon? Oh, what man. are we picking up? How are my balls going to be cut? Yeah. Well, uh, I can't answer about how your balls are going to be cut. I'm so sorry. I really wish. Then I leave. Could. Okay. But uh, this month alone, we've actually released a lot of crazy, uh, cool stuff like uh, crew sweatshirts. Um, we're releasing uh, like kind of lounge dress sweatpants tomorrow. Um, you know, where does one wear that? Ask it. Yeah. Uh, Ask Andy. He's wearing them right yeah, now. Yeah, Andy. Andy's kind of wearing them right now, but imagine that, but in like a dark charcoal. Okay. okay yeah, yeah, but you could wear them. So you can wear them to Equinox or out of the club, is what you're saying. Like, Actually, you know. New we, York Sports Club now. We're, we're doing yeah. a deal where you're going to start being able to get our stuff in all the Equinoxes, no way. which is pretty oh, wow. cool. That's hot. I don't know that's if I should have said that on the. That's a cool against exclusive. Like, yeah. 
That's exclusive. That could also get me fired. But um, that's a Colin needs a job. Cool. Like yeah. It's exclusive. <laughs> uh, you can wear them. I, I, I just, you know, uh, honestly, you can wear them to bed or to the office. No one's going to notice the difference. That's hot. I need a pair. Oh wow. But uh, just, just throwing it out there for anyone needs. Good, Are they good made in XL? What? Are yeah. In double XL. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If anyone needs good gift ideas, well, after, go to Mac After Walden. Thanksgiving, do they make them in triple XL? <laughs> you know, the, actually, they have uh, an elastic uh, stretch, even though they have a zipper. There's an elastic stretch in the back, so it will be very Thanksgiving friendly. Oh, very nice. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and make sure that everyone knows if you use the word uh, cooligans as your promo code. The word cooligans. Yeah, the word yeah. cooligans. Yell it at your mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you exactly. get 20% off. Yeah. So, you know, I would save yourself some money absolutely i know yeah. you want a pair if he doesn't give you any you know, we, cool again. Cool again, so I'm gonna we, type it in. we do have scarves i didn't bring they're not as cool as the one you're wearing just just letting you know but we have scarves andy what's up yeah, yeah. we got scarves. And, and he, he, he came so much better dressed than me <laughs> i guess I'm before we finish up because i mean you've been great and you guys have answered some Ooh, do, oh, you want one more uh, is there something we forgot to yes yeah, yeah. Yes, the MLS Cup. I, I mean, that's... Oh, MLS Cup predictions. Yeah. I really yeah. Want, I have a genuine... I I, I want to know. Does, is Jimmy allowed to answer? I know you're, you've been banned from yeah, yeah. all... Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I can definitely answer. Uh, I did an MLS playoff preview on my channel. Uh, Which is the Jimmy Conrad. The Jimmy Conrad, yeah. The, right. and it's not two E's. It's just no, T-H-E. No, it's just T-H-E, T-H-E but regal, yeah. in a regal in sense. A very, the. The, like the royal we <laughs> Big Lebowski reference. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> never saw it. Never saw it. I've heard it's a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah. Like on the third viewing, you really sink your teeth in. Anyway. I heard Tara Reed's in it. She is. <laughs> She'll do some things for $1,000 if you're up for it. But um, she might do that now in real life. I'm not really sure. That's going off on a tangent. So Sharknado. I'm going to say. I told you the guy's got chopped. What are we talking about? MLS? MLS, MLS Cup prediction. prediction. Yeah, not prostitutes. We have the MLS pr- Cup prediction. The playoffs are tomorrow. Right. Okay. So I picked Seattle to win it all. I just thought they came in with some really good momentum. They have a little bit of that kind of luck. And I, they how, used it to full effect when they beat my beloved sporting Kansas City. How, how's it going sure. now with Seattle? I think they're going to be fine. They're playing against Colorado Rapids. The Rapids are going to be without Tim Howard, who's injured. Ooh. And I think that's a big loss for them. Yeah. Um, Leadership-wise as well. Definitely. Uh, I forgot who's filling in for him. I can't think of his Zach name at the moment. McMath. That's right. Zach McMath, who on his day can be a very good goalkeeper. He was great before he was. Howard got there. He was. So I don't think it's going to be too much of a drop-off, but there is something about Tim Howard's presence that makes a big difference. And then Toronto FC versus Montreal. What I love about Montreal is that every time I count them out, they win and they actually play quite well. Uh, where they're going to lean on is that CONCACAF Champions League experience where they've been in this knockout round before and they talk about how important that was to them playing in this. And uh, and as much as I think Toronto FC has more talent, let's say, and, and, and Jovinko, I think, is the MVP in the league, uh, hands down. There's something about Montreal. And Montreal had their number last year and they played that one-off. Montreal beat them 3-0 handily. So that is going to be a really great series. I, I think Toronto FC will probably get through, but I don't want to count out uh, Montreal completely. But I, I think Seattle gets past Colorado for sure. And I picked them, so I definitely wanted to go we're through. We're actually make- going to the first leg tomorrow. Oh, yeah, really? We're wow. going to start driving at 8 a.m. Yeah, we're right. going to go up there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Be fun. I, I, uh, I just want, what is it? Because if, uh, if anybody but Seattle wins uh, the MLS Cup, NYCFC gets the remaining CONCACAF uh, Champions oh, League wow. spot. So you guys are I didn't know we're that. just rooting for anybody but Seattle. <laughs> Well, I'm done here. <laughs> my my prediction is Toronto SC. I don't 
He, he sounded really educated with his reasons, and so I'm just gonna say Toronto. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think uh, I feel like Toronto. They, they, they were very the, strong. This They're is the first strong. time you've asked them. We don't talk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so wait. So if Colorado wins, they host no matter what because they have the most points. But if Seattle goes through and Toronto goes through, Toronto Tor- hosts. Uh, or Montreal, Montreal wouldn't host. No, no, no. Toronto so, has more points. No, because they speak French. So, yeah. So yeah. Seattle, Seattle. I mean, it's wants- an MLS rule. Garber put it in. Who, you know, you can't. You can't. I've tried to go to the everybody. website before, and I said, <laughs> nope. <laughs> so okay. I, I won't. Yeah, I don't want to hit that translate button. That's too much work. No, yeah, it's Google. Yeah, come on. Well, I, no it one asked me. I'm, I'm excited for tomorrow's first legs. I, th- I think uh, I think uh, Montreal is going to pull it out. And I'm only saying that because we're going to Montreal and I want to get free food. Uh, <laughs> is that how you do it? Just drop it in the podcast? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> we got du- some fans. Duly noted. Yeah, yeah, come on now. All you got to do is talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right? I mentioned underwear and Colin called. Yeah, so exactly. that's how that works. Come on. Dude. I don't... <laughs> Every time somebody yells underwear, hello, it's Colin. I sound like a perverted superhero. (laughs) With what everything Jimmy said here, no one's going to notice. Listen, thank you so much. Uh, Fans, do we have any questions? We probably have time for one or two. Any questions from the fans about uh, Jimmy? or Dave Monsion's got one. He does not. (laughs) Dave Monsion. We got to do it in the back. What's up? Thanks for talking about the youth, the development, the talent. Um, One thing I think Clinton did is like, let me just repeat the question because there's no mic on sure. him uh, just what do you think about giving youth opportunity a chance to play at an earlier age earlier age professionally which might not happen the way it happens in Europe like with Christian Pulisic here in the US yeah I think uh, what's happening there's been a mandate by US soccer to start U12s I think it started 16s and 18s and they went down to 14s and U12s so there's a mandatory U12 which is really important and that's going to help get those kids that we can identify at a younger age in front of better coaching or right theoretically where there's going to be a battle moving forward and I think the NCAA is, is approaching this is they have to look, figure out a way to expand the season and they're 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 working on that now because there's been a lot of pushback and, and that's going to be a struggle because in America we have I don't know, you know, a lot of success at least is attached to going to school or getting your kids to go to a school. And for soccer, I think you, it's going to have to divert in some ways. And I think Pulisic's a good example of somebody who took a chance, went into an academy over in Europe, and has blossomed because of it. Now we could argue that one of the best youth academies in the world. What so, about that, so that kid? Helps. What about the kid from Texas who went to Barcelona who got kicked out, but now he's back? Yeah, I can't think of his name right now. Me neither. I was trying to think uh, of his name. But that was unfortunate. Um, but he's back. He's back with Barcelona. That's well. I think you had to figure out some of the how to. With the legal loopholes, the rules, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's nice. Uh, it's important for all of our kids to. I don't, let me scale it back. I think there's one thing that that concerns me is how do these kids get seen by Barcelona and Borussia Dortmund? Like they have scouts here, active scouts that are right. looking around trying to mine our talent. Like over in Southern California, we have a big problem because Liga MX steals all of our top players, but we don't have any Latino representation in or at least playmakers in in our national team. You know, when Jurgen took over, he was talking a big game about bringing the Latinos in and having this really diverse 
uh, national team pool, and we they need us. They need us. But yeah, we'll go. No Latinos. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> of course, I can't help it. Right, this is on the tip of my tongue. He's already but. fired, dude. Let it go. <laughs> I'm just trying to. Yeah, stop. yeah, you can do no more harm. <laughs> yeah, you're but, done. Um, it's it's. It's a challenge, right? Our country's big, and, and it's going to take a lot. But but the sooner we can get our kids exposed to better coaching at a younger age, uh, everything is going to get better. MLS and the national team. And so, you know, I, I really quick story. There was a talk with some owners one time who were were reluctant to invest in the youth academy, and I just couldn't understand. Like they had to sell it like three hundred thousand dollars into the youth academy. I'm like, yeah, so it should be like 10 times that because all you do have to do is get one player and then you can sell them. You know, for, for example, Kansas City had Eric Palmer Brown, who is at Porto right now, I think, yeah, alone, or he right, came yeah. back. But Juventus wanted to buy him for a million, 1.2. Well, that would have paid for the Youth Academy for two years, right? And you just, you know, maybe you can get a buyback clause on him after four years or you get a, a percentage of if they sell him to someone else. And that's a big deal, right? So that's just one example. Miazga is another example. Um, so... There's, there's plenty of things out there. It's just we, we identify these kids, and some of them should go elsewhere, right? Maybe our, our system isn't good enough for them. Pulisic's an example of that, where he needed to go and try something else, and he had ambitions to do that. But we're going to have other kids that are going to develop at different ages, and, and we need to make sure there's a platform for all of them, and that that isn't in place yet. And that's where I get a little frustrated. But, but yeah. I, know, I know things are happening. I don't want to completely you know, light a torch on the whole thing. I mean, there, there are... That people. ball is rolling, which, is, which was rolling faster. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and you think we should be farther along, and, and sometimes I just get concerned that because we're reacting so much, there's not people in place that are anticipating you know, what, what we're doing. All right, cool. We have this eight year old kid. What are we going to do with him? Where is he going to go? Is it better for him? Can we monitor him? If we send him to a different Academy, can we bring him back? You know, MLS obviously wants to monopolize all that talent and I get it. I would, I don't want any of our talent to leave either, but, but at the moment, some of our systems aren't in place to, to really maximize what they have to offer. Any other questions? Anything Sorry, else? that was a long answer. Oh, we do. Have, he does have one. I talked long enough for you to formulate <laughs> a question. I think it was last week. I really thought he was just going to go like, where the hoes at? Like, I, I've known him long enough. Yeah, I've known him After long enough. party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think it was two weeks ago, Coach Ventura. Is it Ventura? From Italy. Yes. Italy. Yeah, Ventura. Yeah. He was talking shit about MLS. <laughs> talking shit. Like, listen, I love the MLS. But let's be honest. The competition here is not that good. I'm not sure if you, if you know the comments. No, Do you know uh, Italy's coach about, Ventura said that oh, about Javinko? Javinko's not even considered because he's in a non uh, non factor league, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I, I no, no, no. I, I, it's it. There's a lot of things I can't refute. You know, I mean, yeah, we're not where we want to be. I think everybody can raise their hand. I, I wish sometimes that MLS would just own it instead of pretending that it didn't exist or to say, hey, listen, guess what? We're not one of the best leagues in the world right now. You know what? You know what? It's okay. You know, we're 20 years old. We have a lot to do. We have a lot to work on. And I think if you change the rhetoric and you change the narrative a little bit, I think people would embrace the league a little bit more. Like, yeah, listen, we are, we are, we are just learning things. We are trying to find our way in this really crowded sports market in our own country and then having to compete against leagues that have been around for hundreds of years or hundreds, a hundred years uh, who are, are a lot more mature and evolved than we are. But instead we fight that every step of the way. No, we're not going to admit that. Why not? Every league's a feeder league. Right? Manchester United still Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. So, so what? And I mean, tons of people, right? I mean, there's, there's all these big stars that they move and they the go different places. Terrible buyback buy buy clause on Pogba. Oof. Yeah, huh? terrible. <laughs> Very but, but, expensive. So I think there's, there's something to that where, okay, so he, he takes a shot. I would love Jovinko to go over there. And we just want him to have the opportunity so he could prove that he could play well and do fine. 
when Simon went from Montreal and started for Belgium, Belgians didn't care. Like, can you play for us right now? Are you playing well? Great. Come on over. We'll see how you do. And he did fine. He held his own. And I think Joe Vinko would be fine. It's just there's a negative connotation. And so you have to take his comments with a grain of salt because he might see some players that are over in Italy that he actually wants to play and doesn't want to be pressured into taking Joe Vinko. He's doing it his way. He's the new coach. You know, F everybody else. So I, I, I see both sides. Um, but Joe yeah. Vinko wasn't and, even getting a shot before. So when well, Conte was he there. Got, he played Conte, a, see, the funny thing Conte is. Conte brought him in, but he didn't start him. But Conte brought him in and, and thought everything was like it seemed like he was cool and embraced it and then he completely switched gears before the Euros like that you know he gave him the whole I tried to help him along yeah, and like, he's yeah, like a MLS son to me enough, so I'm gonna bring in other things so it's just hard to know like that's such an easy thing to say you know I, I, I like the bottom half of the French League isn't great you know the bottom half of England isn't great but they might still call in guys from there and maybe they don't, you know I mean? Yeah. There's, there's some Italians that play like Barini or some other guys that don't like Sunderland. He didn't get called in either because he plays for Sunderland, you know, I'm a Newcastle fan. So that's like a double, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I was waiting for everybody to catch. <laughs> um, so, so there's, I think they're still feeling sorry for you that you're a Newcastle fan. And, and I think the easy thing is to say that, you know, MLS sucks. It sucks. But, but one of my, my fight backs and maybe this is naive and a little bit too rah, rah, but if you want your, there's a lot of national team fans, a ton of national team fans that support like Liverpool or Arsenal or whatever it is, and they don't support their local MLS team. And, and I get it, and I get it. But if you want our national team to be better, you need to support your local MLS team. Like that's it's kind of hand in hand. And it, whether you like the system or how it's set up or not, that's just kind of yeah. how it works at the moment. And that's what we talk about all the time. It, it doesn't have to be MLS. It can be NASL. It can be any, like, just USL. It doesn't matter. Just go support your local team. And ultimately, you know, eventually that's going to help benefit everybody. And, but cool. there's, there's a lot of animosity towards the powers that be. And I understand why. I, I get yeah. frustrated with them, too. That, that was... <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you talked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 like, for me, I like my dog. I think he's great, but he's not the best dog I still support. Right, right. <laughs> don't don't say that in front of your dog, yeah. man. <laughs> dog, dog, right now is like, wait, what? <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> I'm here to protect you. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. I think, yeah, like I don't have kids, but I have a nephew, and I'm like, mm, he shouldn't be running anything right now, you know. <laughs> I just think, but the, but if if MLS just kind of opened up and be open to that. And to acknowledge, yeah, we're not the best. That's like if it's I was fine. pretending I, I had abs, you'd all be like, like, you're out of your mind. I pretty much you know? hit on these themes. And, and where I touch upon a lot of this stuff, it just, yeah, you know. It's, One more question right here. Yeah, so it seems that Bruce is going to be the coach or what kind of system would you like to see if you don't have a specific person not to jump on that? And for those who didn't hear the question, it uh, looks like Bruce Arena might be hired next. How do you feel about that? If not, who do you think will be next? And I'll add on to that. What system do you want to see us play? Because the one thing Jurgen Klinsmann did do is create a system across the board, whether you like it or not. He said, all right, everyone needs to play one specific style, which I'm like, wait, we weren't doing that? What the hell were we doing? You know? But then he changed it before Mexico. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, that's because you really want Pulisic to play a position. He wanted Pulisic to play a position he's never played before right, <laughs> in central right. attacking and, and midfielder. What's interesting about Jurgen in general, just to, one more time, he just was a really high risk, high reward. Because if that 3 5 2 would have played out, he would have been hailed a genius, but it didn't. Right. And he got exposed, and then he threw people under the bus and just he he, he, he marinoed well yeah he his arrogance let him down uh with bruce arena i am 
partial to him because he brought me in. He was the guy that believed in me, took me to a World Cup, uh, played me, trusted me with that. What I think he does really, really well, he's a good man manager. I don't think Jurgen had the best skills with that. If you're a good evidence of that is when you're throwing players under the bus in the press. That's not a good man management style. Man management style. Bob Bradley wasn't great at it either. Uh, very good tactician, but not always the most approachable. With Bruce, you can talk to him. He's a human being. He understands all this stuff. He has an off switch where he wants you to give everything you have at that time in the game, in practice, but then off, just be yourself. And I, I really responded to that. As you can see, my personality would lend itself to that. Now, when I had the contrast of Bob, who's more of a robot, is 24-7 soccer, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really hard to... They were, they, were, they were responding to him very well at Swansea. They, they, uh, they, they just the same well, they did to the other guy. The podcast. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to lead me somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, and, and I want Bob to do well. I, I, yeah, it's, yeah. Again, whether he wants the, the moniker or not, he's kind of a you know, trailblazer. And he, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's, he, he speaks for us all now. He's yeah, representing yeah, us. Really yeah, does. Yeah, so I think Bruce would be a nice choice through this. He's familiar with the Hex. He has a good understanding of the player pool because of the MLS players. He has made some comments about foreign-based players that he's going to have to go in and, and handle. I have no doubt that he'll be able to handle it because he's a good talker and he will relate to you and he'll make you feel comfortable. And when you go on the field, you want to play for him. Not only your country, but you want to play for him. And I never got the sense that the players really wanted to play for Jurgen. And... And now that we don't have to worry about that anymore. Now, moving forward, there's a lot of guys that are out there that are possibilities. Tab Ramos did real, very well with the U-20s. Uh, Ziggy Schmid did well with our 17s, I think, back in the day. He was my college coach, and, and I think he'd be fine as a, as a national team coach. I don't know if there's any one clear-cut choice. I was talking to one of my good friends on the way over here on the phone, and I wish we had that. Or we like, oh, man, five years from now, this guy's going to be the guy. We could really lean on him to be the national team coach. I don't know who that is. I like Jesse Marsh in some moments. Uh, I like Jason Christ. You know, they all like show a little bit of promise. And, and I think we could we should and could consider them moving forward. But Caleb, I, I, I Caleb Porter also likes to play a very attacking style. Yeah, which... yeah. And, 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 but there's also a mindset about the national team, too, because it's so super, super intense. And then you don't see your guys for four months, you know? And so that's just, you got to find a guy. Cause there's like Mourinho. I did an interview with him one time. He didn't want to be the national team coach because he missed that. He wants it every day, you know? So you have to find somebody that's ready for that as well. Um, if we looked at foreign, I mean, the guy that took over Iceland, I don't, even if I could see his name, I probably wouldn't be able to pronounce it. <laughs> uh, you know, that guy would be pretty good. If we could like a Claudio Ranieri from Leicester, Somebody like that who gets the most out of a group now. They're not doing great this season, but but there's something about being able to inspire a group that might not be as talented uh, as some of the other other countries and getting everybody on the same page. And if anything we were known for as a team was that you were going to be in for a fight when you played us. We had this spirit. And every country I traveled and every talked to since, that's what they always said. We love your spirit. We wish England had your t kind of team spirit. We don't care how they play as long as they embodied that spirit. Right. And I feel like we've lost that a little bit. And, and we just need to get that back. Now, I don't, now, Bruce, I think, is going to be good up till 18. I think he should, if, if he gets a job, which it sounds like he's going to, will be nice and he'll be fine. And hopefully we get a nice... You want to call him? We could do this live. <laughs> I, have right I know I you do. I mean, let's do this live. <laughs> but, uh, but, after that, but after that, I'm not sure. Yeah. It, it's a matter, do we want to go outside of the country? I really like Bielsa. He's crazy. I've been saying uh, Sampaoli. Sa Sampaoli would be great. But he would be incredible. He's out of his mind, but he would be incredible. <laughs> so is Bielsa. Uh, uh, well, they're, they're from each other. I mean, he learned right, from right. Bielsa. Yeah. So there, there, there's an element of that that I like. Uh, Bielsa had um, 
you know, he seems to run into more trouble at the club level and the national team level because it's not an everyday kind of thing. I think he'd just be great to shake up our system a little bit in a way that we thought Jurgen was going to. Uh, and Jurgen did in some ways, as yeah. mentioned, but not all the way. Uh, this progress and vertical integration and all this crap he was saying. But um, so and it just really depends on, I guess, where we are at that moment and who's available to us from an American perspective. I say we I'm get. Open to, I'm open to anybody. Let's get Maradona. Well, you only have to pay him in bags of coke, okay? <laughs> and you know he's just going to go nuts on the sideline. No or question. or who's the big dude from Mexico? I can't remember his name right now. Herrera. Oh man, who knows what he's going to do? But he loves MLS, yeah, yeah. and he's just going to do belly flops on the sideline <laughs> the whole time. I, I'm open to where you go. The players go, and they feel like they got something out of that experience. So not only did they get to play to represent their country, but they learned something. And they could take that back, and and or, you know, when you're bringing up your younger players, it, it's a it's a such an honor to be part of the national team. And and not that the guys don't feel that way, but you just want it to feel bigger than what it is at the moment. Right now, it just feels like such a drag to be on the national team. Yeah, like for the sure. Players like, God damn it! You, know, the, <laughs> you get that Jesus. phone call, you're like, Oh god, what are they say should I answer? Now? I don't yeah, even. Yeah. Know. It's like an episode of Real Housewives. You're like, ah, oh, I gotta do I, this I guess now. You just want your players to go to walk around and be like, I love playing for the national team. I love getting called. In. I used to love getting called in, and when I was with Bob, uh, Real Talk, there were times I'm like, ah, just. This is going to be painful. This is hard yeah. because he makes it so difficult. And he took all the enjoyment out of representing your country where I thought Bruce did a really good job of, of making it feel like something special. And Bob made it feel like work. And Jurgen made it feel like uh, I, the, the players, like, I don't want to answer any questions about whether Jurgen's a good coach or not. Because anytime those guys would go in, I'd tell him, like, dude, tell me about training, what was going on. I'm like, oh, well, he just kind of rolls the ball out there. What do you mean he just rolls the ball out there? The guy won a World Cup. No, man. I'm like, no, what do you guys, I mean, no, honestly, though. I'd be like, honestly, just tell me exactly what's happening. No, man, he just kind of rolls the ball. Like, well, what are you guys working on? You know? wow. To defend him it's a little crazy. bit, Arsene I mean, Wenger's been doing the same thing for 20 years. He it literally has. But, he does the same thing. Okay, so Thierry like, Henry said he's like, like he doesn't prepare our podcast. By the way, he said <laughs> Thierry Henry said he's like we weren't even preparing for Barcelona away. You know, he's like just play your own style. I mean, it works right, for right. him. Okay, but I'll say this over and in fairness to Jurgen, this is at the if anybody's still watching at this yeah. point because it's such. A oh, we're cutting this up. Okay. <laughs> there was there was. In Europe, you have your manager and then you have a coach that actually does the first team coaching. Right. And I feel like you're going to embody that a little bit. And in, in, in Germany, he had Yogi Love, who clearly went on and was like the mastermind, right? And he's won a World Cup. And so he had a great number two. Here, he just didn't. He just was number two. <laughs> <laughs> right? Come on. I think the show's over. I don't know you, uh, <laughs> no, bad. That was so, pretty good. I'm proud of myself. That was a really long way for me to say I don't know who's going to be the best fit for us in 18, but but I'm satisfied with Bruce. And you see all this chatter about, oh, we're gonna, you know, American soccer is going to be set back 20 years because an MLS coach is back in it. He'd have to do a lot of crappy things in those like year and a half to really set <laughs> yeah. back MLS or American soccer for uh, 20 years. But, but well, I, I, I think Bielsa would be the really bold, risky choice moving forward at 18 or any other kind of international manager. But it would be nice to have somebody that had more of a pedigree if we do that. Like I would love Vicente Del Bosque. I mean, yeah. He's a bit older now with Spain. Mm-hmm. The guy's been around. He Maybe it'll be Jimmy Conrad, huh? huh? Get, they're not ready for it. <laughs> yeah. Ready for yeah. Well, what thank a, you guys. I really yeah. Did time. you have fun, man? We had a blast. I don't even remember what I said. I <laughs> well, you're going to get fired from a lot of things after this. <laughs> I already have. Uh, did you guys have a good time? Yeah. You guys have a great thank time? Thank you so much for being thank here, Thank you so guys. much for taking the time out of your day. Oh, you were great, man. That I have wonderful. a Jimmy Conrad, everybody. Uh, thank you for uh, Brave and Brewery for providing us beers. And Mac Absolutely. Weldon for sponsoring the show as well. Another hand for both of those guys. Thank you, Brave and Brewery. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. 
And yeah, thank you, Upper Ninety, for having us. Yeah, this thank you, great. Upper Ninety. Uh, make sure to follow uh, if you if you're not follow. Uh, subscribe to uh, Jimmy Conrad's YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Cooligans. The Cooligans. We would love it. We would love, we would love a well. mention uh, <laughs> <laughs> on your on your very popular YouTube channel. Uh, uh, yeah, I but mean, this is just make me look good in this, and then we'll we'll talk. <laughs> all right, yeah, this all right. So we'll just learn that's, Photoshop. That's my <laughs> job. That's my job. So I'll take care of that. Uh, and and Dave. And Dave. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank, Thank you very so much. much, everybody. Cheers.